Let's get ready to throw down. Welcome to the show, everybody. Sales Throwdown. We are back. Clint is reading a bunch of books in preparation for this episode. What are you reading there, Clint? Uh, everything, man. Everything to do with selling. Same. <laughs> we are talking today about where we are most effective and least effective in our sales processes. Uh, we've talked a lot about the fact that we all bring our own junk to the table. Some of us are not great at data. Some of us are not great at paperwork. Some of us are not great at prospecting. So we're going to talk about where you're really efficient and where you're not and how do you troubleshoot and maximize the, the areas where you're not efficient. So this was Al's topic choice because he was reading a uh, Inc. Magazine article that we're kind of repurposing for our purposes. So Al, like as a salesperson and as an I and what you do, where is your struggle? Hey, hold on. Yeah, this was out of this was out of a different magazine that he always reads. Seventeen, I think it's called. Tiger beat, tiger beat, tiger beat. Yeah, tiger beat. No, no. This, I, you know, I guess when you say where am I least effective, I'd like to start with the the reason. And of it course, definitely you want fit. to start with the good stuff. Okay, let's go. Well, no, the article was more about you know answer to these two questions to determine how likable you are, right? And mm -hmm. so the likability factor, which I think we all have to one degree or another, I just think in the I category we strive for that likability, right? And I think it it's my calling card. But one of the things that this article really talked about to, to dive in is it was about being present, right? Mm -hmm. And that they did some studies and these were university studies where they sent like four women to various classes and the women, the ladies, they just picked women for some reason. It didn't really explain that because they were making a, a, a short version of this, this whole um, research study. And then they went for a semester in these classes. Some of them showed up a little, some of them showed up a lot, and they didn't say anything to anybody in the class. And then they went back to the class and said, hey, they rated their likability. And it was literally just the people who showed up. They didn't say anything, but it was the familiarity of seeing the person and not what they did while you saw them that made you feel more inclined towards them. And they went on to talk about how if you have a sales protocol of just being present and around your clients, however that happens is, is a plus. It's, it's very seldom a detractor to the process. Yeah. And so, well, I've, I found the real actual article real quick. And, the, and those are the two questions. Do I show up and can people count on me to show up? So yep. Yep. those are the two questions. And I think, I think they're good. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Nanette. What were no, you going to say? No, I, I was just thinking that reminds me of music. When you hear a song that you're very familiar with and you love, you love listening to it. When you're listening to a new song, it might be a great song, but until you get familiar with it, you don't usually love it, you know? And, and I, whenever I was stating what the article was indicating that just that whole analogy came to mind that that is it. Familiarity is super important. I mean, even if it's just recognition of a face, like he stated. Mm. And, and to that point, which was a great analogy uh, to that point is you hear a song and you get familiar with it and you think, this, I'm going to listen to this song every day for the rest of my life. And after two months, you say, 
God, I can't, I can't stand that song anymore. Yeah. So you got to be careful because you don't want to be that, uh, that one month popular song that goes away either. Right. Well, the, in the article also talked about, I guess they were, um, part of this article talked about this, um, warehouse or industrial kind of setting that these guys worked in and they had a bunch of upper management kind of that they never saw. They just came in, worked, you know, they're hardworking guys, but there was one manager that would come down and he wouldn't, he didn't really occupy a bunch of your time, but he would just walk through, check on equipment. He said, sometimes he'd just give you a nod or say, Hey, how are you doing? Just walk through and left. And it talked about how popular he was. He didn't do anything extraordinary except he showed up and it wasn't like an appointment where he had to be there. Like, I got to go check on the crew. He would just make a habit of walking through the plant and I'm sure Clint, you can speak to that about, you know, these, these guys that show up just to kind of do a walkthrough and, and not to criticize anything, not to even tell you how good you're doing, just to see you, you see their face and boom, out the door you go. So it's a good little article. Yeah. It's, it's super easy to challenge the guy that you know everything about, right? The guy that comes in and tells you all his goods, his bads, his ups, his downs, it's really hard to uh, eventually, in, you know, in a month's time, you start to assemble, how do I beat this guy? Even though it's not a competition or he didn't mean it to be, he's just trying to be friendly, right? But the guy that's silent shows up on time, walks by you, how's it going, and keeps to himself. That guy's a mystery, right? Which makes him likable for whatever reason to humanity. We like a mystery. We like people that we just don't know everything about. And the moment, that's kind of like that, you know, that popular song after a while, when you know everything about it, you know, every beat, every word, it gets old and, and you're just ready to move on to a new mystery. So, you know, silence is golden. I, I mean, in sales and personality, because it's so hard for most of us to stay silent, right? We want to fill the air and in sales, it's used and making new friends. It's big, right? Just be interested in what is going on and not be the center of attention all the time. Like there's a lot of good talking points out of that. Oh, absolutely. Well, so like in my world where, where I see this the most is in networking, right? You have someone who, who joins the group and they're supposed to be there weekly, right? Very, very recurring. It's a, it's a, they're, they're supposed to be close knit groups and they, and they don't show up with like any kind of regularity, but you notice that these people show up whenever they have something to promote or, or a big ask or, you know, business is low. So now they're, they're back on the grind and prospecting and stuff like this. And when you, uh, when you build that persona, right, in these groups, everybody knows it, right, because like everyone has been burned by the networking connection that doesn't actually show up when you, you know, whenever they need them to. So, you know, do people count on you to show up, right? It, it, I mean, if you're networking, yeah, especially if it's like a group and, you know, you're trying to grow the group and things like that. Um, yeah. But I think it is even easier than that, John, if you're always around right in a quiet way like clint said so you've got the familiarity of i know that guy i don't know him but i know he's always here right it, it and, and i'm always here so now you've got this commonality just by being in the same room for the same event and then it just now becomes don't blow that okay guys listen to this there's the starting point don't blow that by being the guy that john just spoke about or being offensive or trying to occupy other people's time. It's, it's about finding those right little avenues where either it's a, you know, you're at the bar or whatever, or it's a, like a networking, hey, what do you do? Open with a question, not a, 
hey, I'm here's what I do. Yeah. So it's funny because as a uh, as like a a very dominant on the disc spectrum personality, the first thing that you want to do as a leader or a salesperson is you want to come in and dominate every conversation that there is. And you want to show everybody that you're the best and I'm the greatest. But the problem is, is you just made enemies and you didn't even need to do it. Right. So mm -hmm. you come in and you say, I'm the best there is. Well, now some, because you said that statement, just that now somebody has to prove that you're not right. Mm -hmm. If you'd have never said the statement, you could have just got along mm -hmm. and you could have made, you know, made friends, made, you know, made a professional contacts. But as soon as you challenge people, and, and this is speaking to the D's out there, right? As soon as you challenge people, people, somebody in the crowd is going to accept, you know, accept the challenge. And there, and if you look at the, if you look at it backwards, there's not always a reason to challenge anybody. Let's just get the work done, right? You need me, I need you. Let's get this done. Doesn't need to be a foot race all the time. Yeah, there's there's a guy who I'm doing a project with, and uh, he's he's a he's from New Jersey. He lives in New Jersey. He's got that accent. He's got all the stereotype that goes along with it, and he's also a D, right? So uh, he messages me, and he's like, "Man, I don't can I can I play you this call?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, you know, absolutely." And he ran into another D, right, who's also from New Jersey, and everything is like this. And from the start of the call. It, the, 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 the accents and the attitude ramped up so fast. It was so crazy. And he's like, man, like I have never been so uncomfortable on a call. And I said, what'd you end up doing? He's like, I hung up on him. And then he said, call me back. <laughs> and I was like, did you call him back? And he was like, hell no, I'm not calling that dude back. And so, so we're listening to this thing and this guy is all over the place. He's talking about how uh, I'm trying to be delicate. So, you know, but uh, he's talking about the fact that like, he's got a million dollars in overhead each year. And like, it's the jungle out here and you can't just do karate. Like, like you've got to practice MMA if you're going to be out in the jungle. It is the, it is the weirdest conversation I think I've ever listened to. Right. And then three quarters of the way through the guy was like, man, you don't know my business and this isn't a dick measuring contest. However, you know, and it's just like, yeah. he, he was like, what do you do there? And I was like, you just have to prove that you're not, that you're not a doormat by saying, cool, I'm not going to be the right one to help you. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I, I, I get asked this question more than anything, especially from this podcast, but also coworkers like, Hey man, you're that type of personality. I'm dealing with this guy. How do I, how do I deal with the you? And it's like, dude, you got to give him a win. Like you're arguing with the guy, even though he's freaking wrong, right? You know, he's wrong. You got all the data and facts to back it up. But one of the things you can't do is go, you're wrong. I'm right. Because that guy thrives on, on, on exactly what you just did on the situation to try to prove you wrong. What you do, you know, what you can do is, Hey man, understand your point of view. I can see how that makes sense to you. You know, good job of doing all the work that you did, but you know, truly here's the facts of what I've done. And you just, just kind of equal the scales of, you know, ask a, ask wrong. a, ask a question a lot of times, right? Don't make a statement around these guys. Well, what happens when, that? yeah, exactly. And, and where did you get your facts from? What do you do when this happens, when you know it's, you know, when, when the, you know, when the fire starts, right? And you burn the building down. And if a guy goes, uh, I just tell him to fuck off and call their insurance company. You're like, wow, great. You know, expose the cracks or let them, you know, try to overcome what you know those deficiencies are. Cause I mean, you got to have that conversation if you're trying to get anywhere with them. So don't, yeah. don't, don't, you know, don't cower down, 
but you don't have to challenge. You don't have to run head on into a, a, a semi truck to prove that your vehicle can beat a semi truck because it probably can't. You know, so and, let and it that, run. And it's true, right? Because that works against all personalities, not just a D or, or a dominant personality. That works against a lot. Like if a guy's a storyteller, right? And you're not, you're the opposite personality. I don't want to hear this shit, right? Like I got stuff to do. I don't want to hear this. You can't shut the guy down. That, that guy's a storyteller, right? Slow down, take a minute out of your day, listen to a story, and, and you can be blunt, right? There's nothing wrong with being blunt. Hey, man, I got to get through this. Like, hey, let's focus on the task. But you've listened to a story. That's giving them a win, right? If, mm -hmm. if, a Nanette, if, you're, if you're faced with a Nanette who's an S and she's talking about compassion and, you know, love and all this stuff, and you don't believe in any of that stuff, you say, hey, okay, I see where you're coming from. That's, that's great. You know, that, that probably feels good. Let's move on about our business. That's giving people wins, right? And you don't have to do it. It just smooths it out a little bit better for you. Yeah, like today, I was um, sending an email to something that a, tap, my, one, a new task I have is um, calling on lawyers. And so you go into the office and you can't talk to the per I can't talk to the person I need to talk to. So they said, but email them. And I'm like, cool. So I send out an email and I'm thinking, let's make this really short, you know, really concise and end it with, they have, you know, they don't have to, but you want a response from them. You're not just sending out information. And I was thinking, even after I type it, I go, okay, now go back, read it, you know, just the fewer words you use, I say it all the time, and you said it earlier, I think the fewer words you use, less pomp and circumstance, I just think you're going to be, it's more effective. You know, I think that goes along with everything y'all have been talking about. And so I think it's important when you're in front of someone, and I think it's important when you're sending out emails or um, any kind of verbal, it needs to be really concise and not just you know, just throwing up on people. They, people don't like that. I don't care what, if you're a D, I, S, or C, people don't want a ton of information thrown at them, you know? I want all the information, honestly, <laughs> right? I mean, but it, it's funny because I will write these emails and then I'm like, okay, cool. I need a break from this. And then I'll look back and I'm like, okay, who, who am I writing this to? And, and we've talked about this. I kind of think about you guys, right? Okay, cool. I think this person's a D. If I sent this to Clint, is he going to read it? nope how do I make Clint read this thing you know <laughs> yeah. um and and it's funny because I will write what I think is a very short succinct email and then I look at it and I'm like no one else other than me is going to read this whole thing top to bottom so let's like like email is not the place to do much other than like try to move something forward right yeah. um but there's so many people who want to just like thrive in that email right oh I'll follow up via email no you're not because I mean I get I mean everybody gets so much email right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's mountains of it. So like, if you're willingly putting yourself back into that, that fight, you're, you're creating a gap for no really great reason. In your sales process. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny that you say that because uh, I, I noticed a lot, one of the things that, that I I've been doing recently and it's worked really well for me is, you know, I think some Al Matt had mentioned it earlier is ask questions, right? I, I now ask more questions about what do you want to see from me? going forward right and that's not a natural question for me i've never asked that right i assume right i assume mm -hmm. i know what you're talking about because i am me and you are you and you're down here and i'm up here so i assume i know everything right that's a pretty um d thought process 
so now that I've asked like, Hey, what do you, what do you truly expect to get out of what you've asked me to do? When do you need it? What do you want to see? That makes the email chain going back after that. So easy. You've told me everything you want to see, right? So if you want data and facts, you told me, here's your data and facts. If you just want a, Hey, I just, I just need a number. I don't care about the data. You're the professional. I give you a number, right? Mm-hmm. But we've had some sort of conversation. Asking questions is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why? So, because, it, because this is really funny, and we've kind of been talking about this, like, not on the show, but um, why, why is it so hard for you to, is it hard for you to want to ask that question, or is it as hard to build a habit around asking that question consistently so you're not making assumptions? No, I, I think that I just automatically, my brain triggers to saying, I know what's best, right? I know what's best for everybody. So when you tell me, hey, Clint, I need you to, uh, I need you to bid this job. I assume everything, the way that I'm going to do it is exactly what you want because I'm smarter than you. And it's just not, you know, it's just, the, it's a natural thought process. It is, it is far from being right, as far from being correct. But, um, you know. But does everyone do that? I kind of think everyone does that. I think maybe. John yeah, does maybe. I don't know. because you've looked at all the data and you're like, this is, this is why this is right. I think sure. it's right because I think, you know, what's the best thing for a human, you know, <laughs> in whatever the issue is. And Al thinks he's right just because Al thinks he's right. That's just kind of how he rolls. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a second. Al knows he's right. <laughs> there we go. Well, Sorry, go ahead, Al. No, I was going to say, or, or but, but uh, when I say that, Al knows he's right till he's proven wrong, and then he accepts that, and he doesn't fight that issue. He goes, oh, okay, I'm the dumbass of the group. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out to me. Oh, yeah, I don't have that gene. <laughs> I didn't think so. I think that, uh, you know, because, like, talking about the idea of, like, asking questions, there's so much that's put out there about, like, only ask open-ended questions, right? And sometimes we put this pressure on ourselves to really qualify our questions, but also make them kind of open-ended. And I kind of feel like people are aware of, like, the, the open-ended question thing. So I've stopped leading with them. Sorry, Dan. What'd you say? No, I, I'm interrupting you. I'm just, to me, it's very condescending. You know, you just have to be really careful how you state. Well, it's, it's a good point. Cause if you send me an open-ended question, I immediately think you don't know what you're doing. Oh, so you need me to do your job. <laughs> I mean, that's, where, that's where my head goes. So what I've, so what I've started doing is like, is like I've started making my, my heavier questions. Yes or no right? Because I can always follow up with another question, right? Hey, have you thought about what this should cost? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. You want to talk about that now? Yeah. What do you have in mind? Right? I can, I can work my way to a, to a nicer open-ended question that helps me move my process forward and stuff like this without doing the, so Al, if you were thinking about a budget for this, you know, where, where, where do you, you know, what kind of range, I, I think, you know? I think open-ended questions were it was developed by a wuss that didn't want to hear no right oh that's interesting I, I don't it's know. a well it's a very traditional way to uh get people to you know to get involved in the in the sales process is to ask open-ended questions so that you're never at fault right can never be the sales guy fault 
And, and to your point, Doc, like it's, oh, I'm scared to death for anything to be my fault. I'm not going to take blame for anything. So I'm going to ask all these open-ended questions so that everything can never be put back on me. But, and that's but and shit. Wouldn't it be more important <laughs> to go ahead and the guy says, hell no, and you go, wow, tell me more about why it's a no so soon. We just sat down, yeah. right? Or, I, I, sorry, John, I'm a little confused here. How did you come to the conclusion in three seconds? Why did we even get this meeting set up? If it's going like to go Glenn so Beck. horribly wrong. What? I said, because you look like Glenn Beck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a thinner version of Glenn Beck. <laughs> oh, I was going to say only uglier. <laughs> well that too but the thin's the important part the thinner version we, we, yeah, I, we know we know you're not as smart <laughs> didn't it hey do i have to be no. <laughs> um but you know i feel like sometimes we get caught up in the moment of trying to find the perfect question and sometimes the perfect question just doesn't exist right i think i think you make your money as a salesperson you know of like trying to be you know, the trusted advocate consultant style person by not being scared to like ask the follow-up question. I think that that's where you get really, really good. Because sometimes, honestly, the answer, the, the perfect question can be, hey, I don't know really where we're at right now. What is the perfect question that I could ask you right now? I mean, hey, that, that absolutely. That, it could be that. Guys, it can be all the above. Just don't get afraid. Don't, don't like wet your pants when somebody gets... <laughs> either, you know, more aggressive than you, let them be, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you see how dogs sort of interact, right. Or animals, you know, you got this dominant one, the others cower down, but they don't leave the pack. Right. They're like, Hey, there's some value in this guy that'll chew some stuff up. He keeps us protected, but we have our place in this whole equation. And if, if your goal is to make a sale and be part of a group that's going to continue to provide you, with with sales opportunities therefore revenue and income why do you got to butt heads with them if clint wants it done that way and it, it and they sign on the dotted line i get my po and get out of there i'm all good with that i mean hey. i mean because think yeah no you're right doc because think about it this way is like I, i've had a lot of people tell me oh if you piss that guy off he's so connected right he's connected to all these other customers and you're going to ruin all this other business and the answer i've always said is well i don't want to do business with them either you know, if, that, if that's how it's going to be like, you, you have to have that bone to where it's like, I don't mm -hmm. give a shit. This is the way I do business. You're either on the, tr you know, the train with me or you're not. And if you're not good for you, man, I, I really just don't care. I'm going to go find people that will hop on board with the way I'm thinking. And that's a little bit of a confident cocky slash cocky statement. Mm -hmm. However, if you don't have any of that, if you don't have an ounce of that in your body, right? If that's not natural to you, if you take just a little nugget from that, mm -hmm. it may it may push you over the edge of being from kind of successful to really successful. Yeah. You Dream. cannot your mode of action cannot be fair. It you know, you have to res be respectful, but if you're walking around in fear, going out there in fear, you will fail. I mean, that's well that's, nobody or, and, and Ian brought up a good point. Yes, the the fear. But but imagine this. It, it goes back to that death of a million cuts, right? You're just living in the wrong arena if that's the way you feel every time you go into one of these. Instead of being able to recognize that D for what he's going to do and his, his trajectory of behavior or an S in their trajectory of behavior, 
or, or a C. So if you'll, if you'll game up on where that is, and I know we go, we go back to those personality traits, but don't, don't fear any of them, right? They may not be you and they may not be what you, you know, the, the way you operate, but you can operate within whatever parameters most of the time. Now, Clint brought up, okay, I'm going to headbutt a little bit more. Me, I'm going to probably not. I'm going to go along with people a little bit more and go for that likability factor. And if the D likes me, great. But we have to do business in a certain way that pays Al in this whole equation. So at the end of the day, Al wants fairness in that, and he doesn't want to miss out on an opportunity to make some money. But he's got to have, you know, there's got to be some certain criteria that's met for me. Now, I'm not going to tell you that up front. The D's going to lay it out for me. And then I got a choice to make because I now know what he's, his operating, you know, mode is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I comb through um, this book constantly. Um, it's always something that I like. I'll, I'll go back and read because it's a great read. It's called Customers for Life by Carl Sewell. Sewell. Great, great book. They've got a bunch of dealerships you guys know. Uh, yeah, Sewell, yeah. Right? yeah. You know, Sewell's Cadillacs, man. They, yeah. He's got every brand there is. The guy reinvented the way of car sales and a great book. There's a couple of quotes in there that always get my eyebrows raised. And one of them, and I think he worked for like CEO or something of Walmart at one point, but he said, give customers what they want and you will start to see success or something to that, you know, uh, you know, to probably take it out of context. And I always, every time I get to that, right. I, I, I kind of cringe. I agree, but I cringe because it's like, you're missing the whole other half of that statement. It's all within the bounds of what you're willing to do right? What's okay with you to do as a salesperson. So it's not giving everybody what they want all the time and you being on the back end, making nothing and getting screwed. It's about giving people what they want within the bounds of what you can deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, I read those quotes like that and I see that in teachings and stuff. And I think there's always a little bit extra that needs to go along with those phrases. Right. And maybe he means that it just isn't in the book. Right. So, um, you know, and I, and I say that because we're, we're talking about a lot of personality stuff here, right? You can deal with people constantly. And, but at some point, don't, don't get it outside of yourselves and don't give up your true self being to deal with somebody else because you want to make a sale. That's not good business guys. You know, like be yourself, well, be honest. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard to go a long game with when that's happening. Right. Yeah. You're you know, going to make one you, sale. You're going to make one sale and then you're going to just, yeah. you know, you're not going to want to go by that office. You're not going to want to be part of that organization. You've just got, you know, yes, yes. That's, that's okay. If you're selling one item one time, but if you're constantly going to have to do business with these people, you're just, you're building a, a, a sales career that you're going to hate. Yeah. You know, I, it's one thing to say, it's one thing to be the guy on the back end where everybody else is talking about you. Oh yeah. I totally rape that sales guy got everything for free off that guy because he made a shitty deal and I took advantage of him versus being the guy that says, Oh yeah, I took advantage of that guy. And I say, Hey, I sold you 35 projects. Yeah. I, I took them for nothing, but I did 30 of them. Therefore I made a lot of money off of you. So, you know, go F yourself. So there's different tactics mm -hmm. there of, you know, put, it's all about what you're willing to deal with. Right. And, and it's your own self that has to be good with it. Sure. Yeah. I, I, so I was catching up with a, she is a leadership coach, does these things. And um, because of COVID, you know, uh, she, she did mostly like, like in-person boot camps and speaking on stages and stuff like this. And so she's had to pivot her whole business because of all this, right? Because no one's doing in-person events. 
And uh, we were just kind of talking about some projects, you know, that she had going on and uh, told me about a big one. I was like, that's so huge. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't really get it at the rate I wanted it to. And, uh, and I was like, okay, and? And she's like, well, you know, discounting is bad. And I was like, no, discounting to, because you're making an assumption that that's how, that that's the only way you're going to close the deal is bad. When you're discounting because they said, hey, we can't afford this, can you do less? And you come to a decision mutually that benefits both of you, right? Because you get some yeah. business and they get, you know, some, some of your expertise, that's a win, right? As long as you're not doing it because you're hoping that's what's going to close the deal. Like hope is, hope is not a sales strategy. So we kind of talked through that and it was, it was so funny. She was like, and it's like felt better. So much of the stuff that we, that we hear and we see and we, you know, get from our feeds and everything else like this is like painted as like these very black or white, you know, situations and there's nothing there in the middle. And as a C, I love black and white stuff and I'm always looking for magic bullets and I'm looking for universal fits because, you know, I want, I, I want the most efficient way to, to do everything. I mean, that hurt me for so long, like, like trying to find the perfect question, the perfect way to respond to this and everything else like that. You know, it's so hard to be per like perfect in that moment, right? But if you can take a lesson that you learn and improve on before you have to go through that thing again, mm -hmm. that's, that's the right frame for me now, right? Because that allows me to mess up and make mistakes and, you know, not beat myself to death every time I stutter or have a pause or, you know, misword a, a question. You know, the thing is, is, I truly believe there is no perfect question. There is just no perfect question for everybody out there. However, being perfect is asking a question. I, I believe that, right? Mm. Just asking yeah. something is, is better than asking the perfect one and getting it wrong. So just go for and, it. And if you're, and if you're, if you're worried about your question creating a problem in the sales process, use a, use a warm them up to it. You know, I'm not sure how you're going to take this. I, you know, I have some concerns about asking you this is would be, you know, and, and work that before you just drop the question. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I understand sometimes you're like, Oh, I feel like this might be a make or break. Well, if that is, then, then slow down a minute and Clint, is it okay? I'm a little confused. Is it okay if I ask you a question that, I may not like the answer, but I, I feel really compelled that I have to ask it. Well, now you're, you're feeling kind of sorry for me, aren't you? You know, you're, you're probably not going <laughs> to rip than my usual, head off. Clint. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I figured I might as well pick Clint. You know, he's gonna tell you, but <laughs> he was the candidate to try that on. Well, I mean, you know, just, just uh, earlier this week, I, I had actually talked to a customer and, and said, hey, before we, you know, kind of close this deal down, you know, stuff that you talked about that you wanted actually costs a little bit more than what you're, you're willing to write me a contract for. I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it, but I'm not willing to take this job at that price with all the stuff that you're, you're now wanting. And uh, they, you know, sweating bullets. It's like, Oh man, okay, well come over and let's talk about it. Cause they, in their mind, the deal's done. But then after the deal's done, they hand me all this stuff that they want on top of the bid, which that's not fair for anybody. Right. It's fair. If, if I provide it and you pay me, and, uh, you know, that, that's where that money conversation gets really scary for a lot of people. And they just back out and say, you know what, I'll eat it, screw it. And so we went and, uh, I was talking to the, talking to the guy and he's like, all right, so lay it out, man. Well, what do we got? And I said, look, it's $2,000 for this. It's an extra $3,200 for this. It's an extra $3,000 for that. And he's like, oh, okay. What else? And I said, no, that's it. And he said, oh, 
that's it? And I said, yeah. He's like, oh, put that in. You know, he looked at his secretary, like, hey, put that, put that shit in there and let's get this deal done. And he was like, that, that's, that's what we had this meeting about? I'm like, yeah, man, that was important to me, right? And to him in his mind, that was nothing. It's peanuts. Just write it in there. Let's get this thing done. But had you not built that up a certain way, had you just walked in there and said, I'm not signing this deal until you give me an extra $12,000. Well, that conversation goes a whole lot, a lot of different ways, yeah. right? Or Agreed. if you so, just make the assumption that they're going to be okay with okay. the $12,000 because well, of how or, far and how deep you right. are in the process. Or I mean, on the fl- flip side, you assume that you're just going to have to eat those costs because you don't want to confront the issue. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways, right? It, and, absolutely. Uh, and, no, and, no, no risk, no reward. If you don't, if you don't put it out there, then you're the sucker. You're the guy that took the bad yeah. deal and made the bad deal. And, this guy and, was oblivious to the fact that it was turning south on him because he was ad, putting add-ons on there. Yeah. So you brought it to his attention. Then it was a non, non-event and move on. Here, here's, what I, here's what I have found out, at least in my industry, uh, and maybe it's because the dollar values are a little bit bigger on contracts, right? That it's easier to... Uh, Dude, I'm willing to lose this job for $30,000. However, the guy that needs the services that can't go forward with his project is willing to lose not, let's say, $3 million. He's, he's willing to learn maybe $300 million because now his entire project, his entire building doesn't get built because we're not willing to come to terms with $30,000, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot bigger deal for him not getting the project done but it's an equally big deal for me to say, hey, I can't just eat $30,000. Like, this is a big deal, right? So you got you to gotta know that, one, you got to be willing to walk away from a project to lose money on. I, I truly believe that. If you're going to lose money, you're going to do this job for free. I don't care how many bones they say they're going to throw to you down the road. Until I have contracts on all 12 of those you say what I'm going to get, let's negotiate this one right the first time and make money on it. Look, if I make money, you make money. That's always been the case in my business. It's always how it goes. When I win, you win, right? When I lose, it's miserable, right? Because I don't have the manpower. I don't have the money. I can't convince my accountants to go put six more people on it. We don't have the payroll, right? So, I I mean, you got to be able to walk away from some what seem to be good deals and just don't eat it. It's just not fair to anybody. Ian, I'm, I'm curious as the S personality type, you know, we've all kind of got our hard line stances about things that we're going to drop and walk away from. Is that harder for you because of the relationships involved or is it, is it pretty easy for you to kind of stand your ground because of all the work you put into the relationship? Well, it is just time. How much time have I invested in this, in a project? And if I've invested a lot of time, then I'm going to really make everybody happy you know, to the best of my ability. Now, if I haven't, you know, if I don't have a really great thing going on, then it's easy to let go. Even being an S, I'm like, "Mm." I mean, bottom line, everyone has to be happy. You know, you you do have to have an agreement up front and I have to be happy and, and they have to be pleased with what is being given to them. So can I, can I ask you a question then? I, that's something I, that's that question. I really, <laughs> no, I'm being sincere when I say this, the, the, I, I, I'm just, I, what you, you said, you know, I respect, but are you willing to take a loss up front with the promise of more business down the road because you really like the person? No. Okay. That's it. 
Man, you know, you said, you said something that I have a question about. You talked about when you invested a lot don't, of time. Don't ask it that way, John. You cannot know, ask her to ask her a question, okay? <laughs> so, man, how, when, when, when you hit that threshold of I've invested so much time, I got to make this deal happen. Like, are you, are you aware of that? Or is it just kind of one of those things that like, like you notice afterwards? Man, I made some bad decisions here. I didn't follow my process because I was too invested emotionally in, in trying to get this deal done. Well, I think that reminds me of what Clint said. I mean, I think, well, he didn't say it. He actually did it. And forgive me if this is rude, Clint, but the whole church thing, I think, you know, you get into it enough that you, I hope he's not getting mad at me, but I think you get to a point where you're like, man, I'm not giving up. I have a lot invested in this and I can see how this is going to turn out. Well, if you know, I, I, I believe, I don't know, but I think, Clint doesn't do something such as that if he feels like there's going to be any chance of failure. I mean, you just know when you know, you know, I, I think, I think, I think I'm really intuitive to know when something's going to bode well and not, but. I, I would say, um, and, and I'm, I'm probably speaking a little bit um, cause I, cause I don't truly understand everything about an S as, as you know, as you do, man, because you are one, right? So it's hard for me to make this snap judgment. But for me, it's easier to dump something that I don't like or don't agree with than it is an S because they're going to try to make it better, right? There's very different. Or, or find the silver lining in sure. the equation. So, so that's the that's the split, right? And it just so happens me and Nan right now on the split screen of Zoom are on the opposite corners of my screen, right? And, and and to go from corner to corner, that's a very big difference, right? Is that I look at a failing thing and I say, I'm out, move on to the next successful thing. Whereas I think Nan would look at that and like, oh, I need to rehabilitate this. I wanna I wanna yeah. try to grow this. And it's and I'm not saying you'll do that all the time or any S will do that all the time. It's just easier naturally for me to dump it and you to want to coddle it. And, and they're both not right. And they're both not wrong. Certain situations call for each personality, right? There's so many situations. And as a matter of fact, with, with the church job that we talked about many times on this podcast, that's finally done today. <laughs> I had to channel so much inner S that I didn't even know I had to make this deal work. Right. Because on paper, it should have, I should have hopped right around it. I should have moved on. It was a loser. It was gone. But knowing what I know about personalities and knowing what I know about the people behind the other side of the table, um, man, personalities are everything, right? And we, you know, and we work through it. I'm so glad you said that because that is a very valid and important point. It is very evident in my life that I've always been an S. But I've noticed the older I get, and I'm getting up there, man, and I've, I'm seeing D coming. You know, I'm like, man, I'm starting to get not as nice as I – I mean, I'm not saying I'm not, but I, 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 I do see me being a little more D sometimes. And what you just stated is you sometimes, you know, you're a strong D that, you, you know, you – you have to be cognitive of a situation and when you need to go, all right, I need to be nice. I need to be calm. I need to, you know, and it, because if you don't, you're, you're going to screw things up. I mean, that it's just in, in everything, in relationships and work and basically work is relationships. Right. But I mean, you, it's super important to not just hammer into one personality and not see the, 
validity of going into another. So anyway. Yeah. And, and because, you know, naturally, I think we're all very geared one way, but as age comes, children come, situations arise, uh, feats that you've overcome or feats that you've lost, it does sculpt you in a certain way to look at the next situation a little bit different. And, uh, you know, prime example, my dad, if he listens to this, he'll, he'll hate me for this, but I watched him at i uh, I'll say it anyway, cause I mean, uh, he's not listening dude. Come on. Yeah. He probably, <laughs> is. he probably isn't. I'm always surprised when he calls me, he's like, Hey, listen to your podcast. And I'm like, what are you on episode two? We're on 75, bro. Come on. <laughs> but you know, uh, I, 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 I never forget this because I never knew my dad to be a sentimental. He was quiet. Right. And it's just like an old school guy who just doesn't say much. And it's a, you know, rule with an iron fist. And when he said, Hey, or shut up. It, I mean, the whole house went silent for days, right? Because it really meant something. And uh, that's why silence is so golden. But I watched him. Uh, I remember he flew out to San Diego for my Marine Corps boot camp graduation. And I saw a tear like trickle down his nose. And I was like, uh -huh. Hey, you, you don't do that. That's not what we do. And then I look over my grandpa's there. Who's even tougher of an old man. And I watched him do the same thing. I'm like, oh, what the hell is going on? These emotions, <laughs> get them in check, bro. But, you know, that's that age that, you know, that age is starting to show that tenderness that, uh, you know, they, I got children, I'm proud. You haven't had those feelings before. And, and it took him to, you know, he was in his 50s to, to hit that. So, you know, I, we're all a little, we're all susceptible to change at some point, whether we like to like it or not. Man, let's. Let's end on that real quick. Um, this has been a pretty wide-ranging wide ranging episode. Um, Clint, you have any parting words as, an, as a D based on the stuff we talked about tonight? Any nuggets from you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, guys, personality is everything. And, and, and the, I think we say this a lot, or maybe I do, but the quicker you find out what you are, you know, it's so much easier to realize across the table. Um, but the, to go a little bit further into that, you know, you really have to narrow down what you truly believe because you think or, um, you know, the outside part of you wants to just jump in because it's physically appealing or it physically feels good. It doesn't necessarily match with your mental well-being in the situation. So there's a lot of emotions and stuff that you need to figure out as an adult and stuff that you felt at 23 versus 33 or 63 aren't always going to align. So don't pick a hard line in the sand. And just run with that and say, I am this one person because you're not. You can be so many different people in so many different situations. So, you know, to me, personality is everything. Uh, learn it. Uh, school yourself in it. Get a college, get a PhD in personality training, man, because it's worth every penny. Al, what you got? Um, I'm going to jump back to our original uh, topic or supposition was, you know, likability. And uh, if it is easy enough and, and direct enough to just show up and be consistent about showing up, well, if that improves your likability, then anybody can do that. Nan, what you got? Just to not think there's a perfect question, perfect personality. And I think it's from what everyone said, I think you're, emotions are should be in check there you know there's no perfect emotion there you know who's to say you shouldn't cry you should cry or whatever there's no perfect emotion just figure out what the best way to handle every situation is and that's really broad but i i think it kind of goes with what we've all 
spoken about. Yeah. Um, I, so for the C's out there, you know, I, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to be likable through other people's lenses, right? Whenever, whenever I was working with Al and Nan and I would be in the halls, you know, cause like, cause like that was the thing, you know, Al, Al always told me like, Hey, just, just be a fixture in the back halls of these things, be a fixture in the office. And eventually, right. When you put in enough time and, and you're yourself. And, and it was funny because whenever Al and I were talking about working together, he was like, man, you have some really cool things that make you unique. That'll make you so easier to have conversations with, with these people. And uh, I was like, okay, but there's a certain amount of time I think you have to put in to build the confidence so that way you can be your authentic self in, in any circle you want. And I, I was not comfortable trying to be myself in that role, right? For, you know, a couple of reasons, right? I was way younger. I hadn't done any of this training. I didn't know myself, but, but, but also I kind of felt like there's not, there's not very many people for me to call on. I can't, I can't blow any of these, you know, conversations. And so, but I, looking back on that now, if I had just been the most authentic version of myself, right, might not have gotten any more doors open, but I would have felt better at the end of the day, as opposed to feeling like I'm one person as a salesperson and one person is, you know, a, a dad, a partner, you know, all these things that, you know, that I do. So, you know, it's worth putting in the time so that way you can be yourself. And I, th I think a lot of that starts with being self-aware. It's not enough that you can point out somebody else's D-ness or I-ness or, you know, whatever it is. You have to know, how is that person going to view the things that I want to talk about from their lens, right? And that only happens when you spend enough time to really understand how you come across to the other four corners. So, yeah, I like and, it. Yeah, and, hey, John, I'm going to add to that because I think C's of all people on this, uh, on, on the personality spectrum struggle with that likability the most because mm -hmm. it's it's not the people that are very social and out there. And I will tell you this, that every person that I know that's like yourself, that's very data facts, um, you know, kind of, I don't really, not, not sociable. I don't want to go out and have drinks. I'd rather go home and let's just say play my Xbox till three in the morning, right? Because it's, it's just to my introverts, right? I like you for that. I, I love you for that. I don't like you when you step out of that bounds and try to be me. I don't need another me. I am me, right? I, I want some diversity. Everybody does, right? I want to build that. That's why this works so well. The D I S and C that's sitting on this podcast, we can go out and have a great time and we're all completely different with different views, but it works because we're diverse and diverse is interesting. Being the same is not. Absolutely. Well said. Good job. So guys, if you are in sales and you know somebody else who is in sales and, you, and, and they're struggling with, all, with everything that's going on right now, some of these budgets are smaller. It's more difficult to get into offices. It, we're coming up on fourth quarter, which is, I mean, we're, we're in fourth quarter. So we're in the last sprint of the year and a lot of people are going to be out and everything else like this. Now is not the time to take your foot off the gas, right? The consistent effort and your intention around how you're networking and prospecting and selling is going to carry your momentum into January and stuff like that. So make sure that you're not taking your foot off the gas just because it's hard. It's always hard. There is no easy button. Um, the, it, the consistency makes it easier when you do a bunch of it is the thing that, that I have had to learn for myself. So be consistent. If you know someone who's struggling, please share this with them. If you get stuck on a, on a call and a, on a sales call and you want to have us break it down and poke holes in it because 
you know, we gladly will send us a text, 817-345-7449. We'll talk about it here on the show. We'll try to give you some feedback and, and hopefully something that will help you in that moment. So. And, 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 and if you're scared of putting it on the show, don't worry, just text us and we'll deal with you individually too. Absolutely. I will, I will be more than happy to call you individually. If you, if you resonate with me, I will call you right now. Absolutely. So yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe, share this with somebody else. Um, if you are listening to this audio, please leave us a review. It's one of the best things you can do to help promote the show and we would appreciate it a lot. And we will see everybody next week. Thanks a lot.